Arbor Murphy is one of the top commercial real estate brokerage firms in the Southern Illinois and St. Louis region. With more than 500 active listings, it's the go-to firm for anyone seeking to buy, sell, lease, or invest. With a unique transactional focus, Barbara Murphy offers you a conflict-free experience as your trusted advisor. Contact Barbara Murphy today at barbaramurphy.com for expertise and assistance with your next real estate transaction. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Build St. Louis, the regional podcast that is capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of commercial development and construction. I'm your host, Carrie Smith. I'm very excited about the topic today. It is economic development. And really, to me, it's where the science meets the magic of economic development. Our guest today, we're so excited to have, and by the way, the title is Economic Development Done Right. And this gentleman, Patrick McKeon, can tell us exactly how to do it right. He's been doing this for a long time. Patrick has worked as an economic development professional for nearly 40 years. He is currently the economic development director and has been for a little over seven years with the city of O'Fallon, Missouri. Patrick leads a team that proactively identifies and engages businesses and business enterprises that are seeking to start, locate, expand, and or keep their operations within the city. Patrick is... It's such a pleasure to have you here today, my dear friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. It's great seeing you. It's great to have you join us in this discussion. And I know I've been learning from you about economic development, gosh, for more than two decades. I was thinking about it today. So Can I'm looking forward to it. that long. Yeah. I know. We both look and sound younger than we are. So <laughs> no matter how you're, you're checking out this podcast today, I thought we could start, if it's all right with you, Patrick, with just looking at the function of economic development at a high level for anyone who is listening, who has heard the term or not heard the term, and just wondering what is economic development in its purest form? If you could educate us on that, that'd be great. Sure. Happy to, Carrie. I always say economic development is the creation of wealth. And if you think about it, you want to instill wealth in your citizens, your community, your businesses. And so to me, that my job is creating wealth within a, the defined area that I represent, in this case, the city of O'Fallon. That's a great initial definition. So what are the ingredients or the recipe in economic development, again, from more of a high level, I guess? What are you looking at in terms of the goal and the mission? Right. So with that goal of creating wealth, you have to look at how you can leverage the assets you have in your community or state or region. And so I think it's very important as an economic developer that I understand what those economic assets are and what my community in this case has to offer. From there, a real job of trying to match those assets to the needs and demands of companies that are in an investment mode. And so, you know, whether that's a Scooter's Coffee, looking for a small little quarter acre to put a drive through coffee shop or a multi-international company that's looking to build a new headquarters operation and invest 20, 30, 50 million dollars. It's kind of the same process. You've got to understand what their needs are, how you can match those needs, and then help make that happen. Oh, that's an excellent way to, I love how you differentiated it and pointed to the fabrics in common in small coffee shop and a multi-million dollar manufacturing yeah. plant. You've done all those in O'Fallon, haven't you? We have. O'Fallon is an extremely diverse economy. We have significant amount of commercial retail here. Pretty much every franchise food is represented in the city of O'Fallon. And at the same time, we have over 60 manufacturers, a large manufacturing sector, including True Manufacturing, Cosmos Corporation, 
and MEMC, which make the silicone wafers for microchips. And then we have a pretty robust high-tech sector with City Mortgage having a mortgage operation here and MasterCard having a global operations center in O'Fallon. Wow. I know that you and I share in common when the town of Edwardsville, Illinois, and I know that when we would attend business networking events, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, people want what they want. And maybe they're just kind of armchair. They'd like to see a Chick-fil-A or a Trader Joe's. I get that. I get that. You get that too. So what, you know, that's not what it's about though, is it? It's about, it's about the traffic counts. It's about the things that give examples, maybe what site selectors look at that have nothing to do with what people want. Yeah. When you said that, I just thought, very rarely do I ever have someone come up and say, hey, can we get a $100 million data center in O'Fallon? You know, it's like, where's our fast food fish? Where's our grocery store? Where's our raising canes? That's the latest one. And because from their perspective, that's what's relevant to them in their daily life. You know, they want a Trader Joe. They would love to have an academy sport. It's something that affects them. And they never really think beyond the fact that, hey, I want to also help create jobs for your children here in this community that helps improve their quality of life. Because if they have to commute 30 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever else to a job every day, that's taking away from what they want to be and with their own family. And so I think it's always about a balanced community. And this is one of the things I preach to my own city council members is we have to stay focused on creating a balanced community that creates jobs, capital investment, that drives well and improves the quality of life for our residents. That's excellently put. Yeah, it seems like just a mindset of either like a consumable mindset almost or a long-term vision of the framework that's going to support the people that live there. If you think about examples across the United States of cities that have been very one industry focused, whether it's an automotive community or whether it's a um, steel plant or whether it's just commercial retail and, you know, a downturn, a recession, you know, that puts a lot of pain and pressure on the community because of loss of jobs, loss of revenues, and potentially loss of residents because people have to move away. So having that balance, I think, is extremely important as an economic developer and something I've learned over the last too many decades. Um, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. So just talking about the city of O'Fallon, Missouri for a moment, in terms of balance that you're speaking of, Patrick, have those industry sectors changed through the years? Has it primarily been manufacturing and service? Or how has it changed the past even 10 years? And where is it going? Yeah. And how are you maintaining that? balance. You know, O'Fallon was a very small community 30, 35 years ago and has grown to well over 90,000 residents and headed towards 100,000 within the next five years. And so that rapid growth had a lot to do with what, you know, as here and what has happened here. We had a pretty strong uh, manufacturing community early on, and that was kind of a key driver for jobs and attracting people out here to jobs. But then, you know, the, that retail commercial sector just kind of blew up. And then about 20, plus years ago, we had those major investments by both City Mortgage and MasterCard that really changed the whole complexion of the community, you know, really elevated the types of skills and education required for individuals to work at those operations. And I think really made a difference in terms of what the community has now and where we're headed in the future. Wow. You know, I had a question on here about reputation. And I know at least from my studies in economic development that reputations are critical and that sometimes cities or communities develop really great ones, word of mouth among developers, and sometimes the opposite occurs. And I wondered how those reputations come about with, you know, if your city's sort of easy to play along with or difficult, that must be a delicate thing because I would think even with all the technology 
technology and the way site selection happens today that at the end of the day, developers still talk to each other. They do. And even though there may be challenges regarding a particular project that either disappoints or upsets that developer, it may be done for good reason. They're proposing something that's just not within the capacity of the community or doesn't make economic sense for the community. And you can't manage that reputation because they're going to go out and talk and they're going to say, I recently had a business owner here locally told me is when the business fails, it's everybody else's fault. And when your $100 million project or your 600 acre residential development doesn't go through, it's everybody else's fault that why that would happen. So we try to focus on building trust, trying to better understand what that individual, that company is going through in terms of their commitment, their investment, their timeline, the risk that they're putting out to make this project happen and try to respect that. And I think it's critical for us to be able to work through that process with individuals, be very upfront with them. And so ultimately, if it doesn't turn out the way they wanted, at least they felt they got a very fair opportunity to achieve that. And in most cases, it comes down to those elected officials representing the community, making what they think is the best decision. And whether it's staff recommended or staff opposed, they're the ones who ultimately decide. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Has your city's economic development initiatives and their goals for that matter changed since the pandemic? I don't know if that's a relevant question or not. Maybe it just changed how people find you and how investors find you to invest. But how has the world changed from your point of view in the last three years? Yeah, on the surface level, you know, it's changed some of the dynamics of our economy. We had a very strong and robust office sector that's pretty much gone dormant in the last three years. A lot of the projects that we deal with now, especially in commercial retail want drive-throughs and pickup lanes because that reflects the nature of what their business is now. And we've even got a new restaurant concept coming into town. You know, it's an existing restaurant that's got locations across the United States, but this one's going to be new to them. It's going to have very few seats inside compared to what they were before. More of a coffee shop experience, you know, people at laptops, families gathering everything else. And they're putting everything on the outside. They're focusing on the drive-through and the pickup lane and maybe have more like six or eight, 10 seats inside. And that's really a reflection of what the pandemic brought to us. The other thing that has really changed, I think, is our manufacturers were, did quite well during the pandemic. You know, they There was a lot of demand for their products. And so they kind of got into a growth mode to respond to that. And then when they hit the supply chain challenges, that created a lot of problems. And we've had two or three major projects that have been put on hold or slowed down because the cost on supplies has just gone through the roof. And now you've got uh, higher interest rates. You've got fears of a potential recession. And so that's put a lot of strain on them. From a overall standpoint, though, I think the pandemic has accelerated this idea of more of a hybrid type work environment. And we're struggling with how do we deal with that? How do we create space and create economic value in the community when maybe a majority of the employees are not even going to be here in the community most of the time or not even within the state? And uh, and I think that's a real challenge for a lot of people. How do we deal with it? It opens up the possibility of being able to recruit talent, but we get no economic value from that talent because they're not here, whether it's on a daytime population or they live in the community. And I think as economic developers, we're still trying to figure that out. 
Oh, definitely. And you gave me a great transition into my related question, into which you've already touched on beautifully, was just our labor shortages proving to be a differentiator for investors, site selectors, developers. I know that used to always be, we would talk about Edwardsville and the Gateway Commerce Center and the other parks that a quality workforce was, if not the top, very near the top of what employers were looking for. And I wondered, is that still near at the top? And what's the answer to that amidst you know yeah. these dire shortages? It scares me from a standpoint when you have 2.6% unemployment in a community, you really just don't have a labor supply to support any type of economic growth. And yet we still see projects come through and working with site consultants and incentive consultants, and they seem to be have a certain confidence that they're going to be able to find the labor. And I say, I'll tell you, Carrie, I more power to them. You know, if you're going to make a multi-million dollar investment in the community and you're going to have to struggle to get 100 employees or 200 employees, the question is, are they taking employees away from your existing employers? Are they driving up the wage scale? Uh, how are they going to do that? And that's, I think that's a difficult challenge. And I think that's something that we're going to see for a long, long time. That, you know, as baby boomers retire and, and people get more used to a hybrid kind of work environment, it's going to be a real struggle for these large, especially manufacturers, where you have to be on the job. You can't run a CNC machine remotely. So, you know, you have to be there. And I think they're going to struggle. I wondered if that for like the spouses, perhaps of those people, the quality of life question comes up for people who can work remotely, if quality of life is still and not necessarily attach that to the hybrid work model, but just quality of life in general, if that's still near the top of the list of what especially yeah. C-suite, you know, right. owners of companies yeah, are yeah. looking I for. Mean, they, I think they have a little more flexibility in what that quality of life can be here by choice. But I was listening to a news report or something and a person was saying they've had the benefit of being home since the pandemic, but they feel like they've become isolated in a real homebody and they just have no desire to go out again. So I think it has its own positives and negatives on the individual. And O'Fallon, because we have been a suburban bedroom community and have that, some of those qualities, a lot of the people that were leaving O'Fallon every day during the pandemic were staying in O'Fallon and spending a lot of money. And our sales tax revenues went up. Wow. Despite store closures and lack of labor and everything else, our sales tax numbers really jumped. And we're benefiting from that continually because a lot of those people have gone hybrid. But do we have the ability to now get people to motivated to come to O'Fallon for a job? And I don't, don't know. Good questions. Something to ponder. Um, exactly. And one more question for you today to ponder and perhaps answer. <laughs> if it's a decent question, you never know till it flies out of my mouth. But I wondered if someone's listening to what you've been talking about and, and they're familiar or becoming familiar with O'Fallon, Missouri, and they know that you have a lot of assets and resources and you do have a diverse employment base. And maybe the person listening is an economic development professional in a distressed community or one that had one big egg in its bucket and that was was manufacturing or that was uh, healthcare or something and that, yeah, you know, uh, was plucked uh, up and removed. Base, you got exactly. Brack. Right. Exactly. What would you say to communities like that that are really struggling? What I know it's a diverse answer based on what the issue is and what they're lacking, but how would you suggest they have a approach or a strategy to just move forward and sort of recreate a diverse local economy? You know, I think economic development includes kind of what I would think is four major strategies 
strategies, business attraction, which we talked a lot about, you know, bringing new companies into your community, business expansion, you know, growing those businesses that are already there. And kind of a second to that is business retention, keeping what you have, making sure that happens. And then there's entrepreneurship. And a lot of those communities that potentially suffer from a major employment loss or, you know, they'll find people displaced by that employer that may have interest in starting their own business. And so creating a robust network of support to help those individuals who are skilled and trained and motivated to maybe begin to start their own businesses. And hopefully of the 20 or 30 that maybe you help create one or two grow quickly and start to replace some of that employment. The other thing is that from a strategy standpoint is I'd rather have 10 100 employee businesses than one 1,000 employee business because I have less risk of that kind of thing happening to my community. And so the concentration then becomes not trying to replace the big employer again, but saying, hey, can we use the assets that they've left behind, the land, the buildings, other things going on in the community that could potentially attract those smaller components that add up to that same result? Oh, excellent. Sounds a lot as you're talking. I thought it's a lot about any other investment, personal investment. When you talk to your financial planner and they show you the pie and how are you invested and not to put all your eggs in one basket. It sounds a lot like that translates well to economic development. A lot of communities don't have a choice. They've been created because of that particular industry and very reliant upon what it does. But I think as an economic developer, you should be thinking about that diversification process. How do you get there? And it needs to happen well before the closure notice comes out. Right. Right, definitely. We've been talking today with Patrick McKeon, who has been for seven plus years now, Director of Economic Development for the city of O'Fallon, Missouri. And he's just a dear friend and colleague of mine. And I appreciate you taking time today to learn us some good stuff. Thank you, Patrick. I always enjoy talking about this, Carrie. You know that. I appreciate your time too. Uh, Well, you're welcome back anytime. And everyone, thanks for listening today. We'll talk again at you soon. At SM Wilson, we transform landscapes, communities, and minds by harnessing the power of relationships. As a trusted partner, we enrich lives by building spaces to live, work, heal, learn, and play. We have built a reputation for more than 100 years as a design, build, construction management, and general contracting firm that puts people first. We're 100% committed to your project. SM Wilson, Beyond the Build.